Yo, what's up? I'm Will Blackman, and this is Upsets and Underdogs, presented by WinBet. This is the show where we dive into the world of sports betting and discuss the best lines, the top props, and of course, the most intriguing underdogs. Today, we're going to review week three of the NFL, plus we're going to see how our underdogs of the week did and crown our upset of the week. Also, don't forget that every other Friday, we're putting out a special series of audio-only episodes called Underdog Tales. In these episodes, I'll tell you some of the greatest upsets in sports history. This Friday, we're digging into one of the biggest college football upsets ever. Stanford's win against USC in 2007. Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, and Richard Sherman too. A wild game that went right down to the wire. I got some exclusive insights about what happened straight from some of the people who were involved in the game. So you'll definitely want to check it out. All right, the NFL season is here. Kick it off right with WinBet. On the WinBet mobile app, you get access to unique markets like NFL yardage leaders and exact season wins. Who will be the last team to win the game? What about the last team to be undefeated? I know I've got my guesses. You can find all of those odds on WinBet. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to set the odds in your favor. Download now and start winning with WinBet. Offer subject to change, terms, conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we had an action-packed weekend. Literally action-packed. People getting punched in the face. I am a big fight fan for those who do not know. I love boxing. I love UFC. I love kickboxing. My son is in jujitsu. My daughter does Muay Thai. I do boxing on the side. So yes, I love fights. But someone else who I work with loves fights. I'm going to bring in one of our producers, Nick Deus. What is the word? What has happened? What is good? And I can't stand you at the same time. Oh, okay. That was a little <laughs> left hook to the body right there at the end. I was about to say myself, I'm a big jujitsu guy. You know, I'm almost a blue belt, four stripes oh, on nice. the white belt. So I was going to say, where's your son at as far as uh, competing with the jujitsu? Yeah, well, he started... Actually, he did wrestling first, which is the greatest thing on earth. And then he transitioned into jujitsu right before COVID happened. And once COVID hit, he stopped. So he has, he still has his white belt. And I think he has three stripes, I believe, but he's 10 years old and he's, he's rolling with the teenagers. So, mm. you know, I think once I get back, he's going to start doing tournaments, but we can talk about my son another day because we can, t- any show we want to. Let's jump right into UFC 266. You are a massive UFC fan. I know you were super happy to have John Anik on our show last time. Mm-hmm. So tell me your initial thoughts. I'll tell you mine really quick. I thought they it went as expected. You know, I don't think there's much to it. But yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. Man, speaking of jujitsu, that main event, I felt as if it kind of saved the card. The card was a little lackluster. Right. I know the heavyweight bout, Blades and Rosenstruck. The odds were heavily skewed for it to end early, and it was kind of a a boring fight. You know, you expect fireworks, you don't get it. Valentina took care of business, like we discussed. I mean, like took uh, care Nick, of business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick Diaz looked very, very shaky to start, and then it was classic Nick Diaz putting on the volume, and then just a wacky ending to that one as well. But the main event, dude, when when T-City, your guy, I know you're a big T-City fan. Yeah. He had the triangle and the guillotine. I just jumped out of my seat. Right, like, I don't know oh, how he got her both of those. Yeah, it was so wild. But, dude, Volkanovski now 20 wins in a row. Right. 
the thing with UFC fans that I've noticed a lot of casuals, like my buddies who tune in for big pay-per-views, they want to see knockouts. They want to see submissions. So when a guy just grinds out decisions, they kind of deem them as boring fighters. But I think Volkanovski really earned a lot of people's respect on Saturday. Right. It, it's going to take it's going to take the real MMA crowd to educate those who want to see knockouts. It reminds me of, you know, we're going to segue right into boxing, too, with the Joshua Usyk fight. But that's the issue people have with Mayweather is like his, all his fights with decisions are like, oh, he just wants to buy pay-per-views. And then eventually they were like, damn, his defense is nasty. Like how he's picking his punches, how he's just disarming people is unbelievable. But, yeah, going to the Joshua Usyk fight, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of what I thought it was going to be. You know, I think um, my my biggest thing with Joshua, man, I feel like he he, he right now he's not fighting with the same killer instinct he fought Klitschko. You know, I thought his Klitschko fight was one of the best fights I've ever seen. And you got to learn a lot about him because he got knocked down in that fight pretty bad and then came back and knocked out Klitschko. But, yeah, I, I just thought Usyk was just a better boxer. And I saw with Andy Ruiz, how he outboxed him and knocked him out. And then he came back and, and tried to outclass him. I feel like in the heavyweights, man, you can't really try to outclass people. You just got to go and, and bang. That's his style. So I thought what happened ex- was was expected. You know, he was a you know, 210 underdog, Usyk was, and, and ended up getting it done. Yeah, the one issue that I have with boxing is that there's no one governing body like there is in the UFC. Oh, there's like so 80 you- belts. Yeah, dude, it's like this guy's a heavyweight champ and then another two guys have heavyweight titles and then you're like, what is going on? Who's the real champion? But at least they're getting paid. They are. The bag (laughs) is definitely more significant. I will not debate you on that. So maybe that's the reason why they have it that way. Right. It's just it's just difficult to identify who the champion is. You know, you got Wilder, you got Tyson Fury, also Anthony Joshua and Joshua. He struck me as a guy who was really spoon fed opponents even Klitschko, like that's not the Klitschko that I grew up on. Who it was wasn't so the Klitschko, but he was he was he he was an Olympian gold medalist. I'll give him that. Was a good amateur fighter, and then yeah. So anyhow, let's or let's jump right into it. Right, enough boxing because I can talk boxing all day. We're gonna jump right into by reviewing our picks from last week. Here is how we stand, and you know what? I am a man, and I can take it. I went zero and three last week. It is what it is. I played for Jacksonville. We started off 0-8, so I felt this kind of heat before. I picked the Chiefs, Seahawks, and Bucks. My underdog of the week was the Chargers. So I'm 1-2 and two so far with my underdog of the week. My favorite pick of the week was also the Chargers, so I'm 2-1 and one, uh, with my favorite pick of the week. So right now, guys, I am sitting at 4-8, and eight, but it's a long season. It is all good. Nick, I know how you did, so please tell the people how your wonderful week went. I mean, dude, you want to talk about wonderful, like across the board. I don't know how many people on the planet had a better weekend than I did. Will and, you know, just head to head against you, just utter domination, three and oh, domination hit on the underdog pick of the week, had the charges as well. Favorite pick of the week, Vikings plus two, eight and four overall. The crown is sitting heavy over here in New York City. The champ is here, folks. That's like the Mario Kart crown, right? Every time you win, you just pass the crown to somebody. No, that's my second <laughs> Mario Kart reference, guys. Yes, Nintendo, hook it up. All right. So we just, we just mentioned it a minute ago. Let's recap our underdog pick of the week. Nick and I both picked the Chargers over the Chiefs. Even though I had the Bucks winning, I mean the Chiefs winning, I still picked the Chargers as my underdog of the week. Also, we're going to talk about the biggest upset of the week of week three on the NFL slate. So 
Uh, the Chargers were plus 250 on the money line um, underdog. Also a six and a half point underdog in KC. This, you know what it is? This is an interesting game because the I'm not going to say the Chargers play the Chiefs tough. Chargers with Justin Herbert play the Chiefs tough. Um, right now, I know one game was against Chad Henne, but still it, it was against that team. And yeah, they, they got it done. I thought, I would definitely say though, the Chiefs gave them plenty of opportunity in terms of the turnovers because at one at point at one point it was tied up. You know, it, it was still a close game despite all the mistakes that Kansas City was doing, and it still shows you how good that team was. Um, I saw one interesting stat. I don't want to say a stat, but I did some digging, some research, and the since 2019 there were there were seven lo- seven of their losses, the Chiefs' losses. Tyreek Hill was under 100 yards. He was either under 100 yards or he did not have a touchdown. And that is huge because what defenses are doing now is they're looking at what the Bucs did. This this is it's the blueprint, right? It, they, you hear it all the time. It's a copycat league. When when the Bears played the Rams in, I think, 2017 and the Bears like blitzing the hell out of Jared Goff and he just could not do anything with the ball. Well, in the Super Bowl, what did New England do? They did the exact same thing. And then eventually teams figured it out. So now teams are trying to put a blanket over the top of the defense and not letting Tyreek Hill take off. So um, and I thought that was interesting. Give me your thoughts, Nick. Dude, I don't know if I agree with those takes of the copycat league and teams figured them out. Like, I also think the Bucks had the personnel to do that, right? Like, you hear it in the NBA often how teams want to shoot a lot of threes. They want to do what Golden State does. But Golden State also got a backcourt that got the two best shooters of all time. So it's easier said than done. I feel like people were listening to that pod that we did a couple weeks ago talking about how the Chiefs can be stopped. Because we pointed out how Kelsey and Hill are the be-all, end-all. Right. And it goes to that point that you made. If Tyreek Hill has under 100 yards and no touchdown, it's basically the Kelsey show and not much else after that. So that's really what stood out to me, where if those two guys don't go off on a given week, they're going to lose. And if you look at their two losses this year so far, Ravens, he was he was held in check, Tyreek. Kelsey right. went wild, did his thing, just like he did yesterday, over 100 yards. But then again, you take away Tyreek Hill, he's the guy that makes so many plays for that offense and most importantly, opens up everything else for everyone else. Yeah. And then looking on the Chargers side, you know, I from like from a fantasy football perspective or whatever it is, I was like, man, they need to really use Austin Eckler everywhere. And he came through huge for them. But also Mike Williams played massive. I mean, he he was definitely in another zone, but I feel like that's the Mike Williams that we expect. Um, I think maybe prior in the years, he was probably comfortable being number two, what Keenan Allen there. And right now, he's this season so far, he's playing like the number one. And he, I mean, he's making some crazy catch. He's a big dude and just dogging people. Dude, you, you know what the X factor is for Mike Williams. And I love, I love targeting guys like that, whether it's props or fantasy football contract year. <laughs> that's you, you don't think so? You don't think guys will? No. You don't, from your experience? I know that's an, no, I know that's there. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I just, I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, dude. Like 
yo, I always like guy going into his last last season, no matter what the sport, they always have these career outbreaks, right? Career seasons, breakout seasons, and then they get the bag in the off season. And then you see like who's for real, who isn't. Did they get paid and then they kind of went back to what we originally thought they were? Or was that season what they really were? So Mike Williams in this contract year, just continuing seven for 122 and two touchdowns. And Will, there was a report that came out. I mean, Herbert in the post game said that it was a run play and he audibled because he saw one on one with Mike Williams. For sure. And they scored the touchdown there, the aggressiveness. I like it. All right. So any of the notes here? We're going to highlight also Junior, Asante Samuel Jr., who is playing lights out. And, and of course, he got the DNA, Asante Samuel, from his dad, the way he's playing. But he's been in a competitive situation forever. Yes, we talked about his dad. But all these like all these receivers right now, not just Alabama receivers, but all the receivers you see in the NFL, the young guys, he has seen them at these like seven-on-seven tournaments. He has seen them in college. He has seen him in high school. Like he's seen these guys already. Um, but I just love his competitive nature. Not just him too, but I'll go another junior. Patrick Sertan Jr. Mm. is playing outstanding too. So I, I love what he's doing. That was probably one of the best interceptions I've seen in a while. Um, Duran James, he did get hurt. Um, his shoulder, he, it wasn't anything that serious, but anytime something happens to him, everyone's on edge because he's dealt with a lot so far. Um, and he's he's a huge necessity for that defense in there. So, um, yeah, any any gambling takes takeaways from this? So we didn't really get to highlight rookie of the year props at the beginning of the year, but we he was not. a dude who really stood out to me, Asante Samuel Jr., mostly because the Chargers need him to play well, right? Like they were a little weak at secondary. They bring him in. You can still find him 20, 25 to one odds on win bet. And I think it's still a good bet to jump on right now, Asante Samuel Jr. Look, he's made some big plays already, that diving interception, like you said. I feel as if there's a lot of narratives but behind these awards. So if you got that IG clip that you could post in 15 seconds, that's going to go a long way for you. So I'm I'm a big yeah, fan the of clip, Asante Samuel. the clip Samuel. and his name, they both right, are going to help yeah. tremendously. Right, it I actually, I actually picked NFL Patrick Sertan to be my rookie of the year defensive. That's why I picked the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. At the end of the day, it was a great win for the Chargers. I am not at all concerned about the Chiefs at all. Like again, sometimes there are there are games like that. You know, yes, they dropped two in a row, and it's just like that sometimes. You know, back to the drawing board, long season, and the one thing it's really really hard to be that good for that long. So, real quick, Nick, can you uh, recap? What other underdogs won this week? Sunday Night Football, the Packers, plus 160. They beat the 49ers, 30-28. to 28. The Saints in Foxborough, 28-13, plus 130. <laughs> and the Bengals, plus 125 on the road against Pittsburgh, 24-10. to 10. I don't understand these Bengals. I like them. Like, they should have beaten the Bears. I understand all those damn picks. I like the Bengals. I love Jamar Chase, by the way. <laughs> Dude, dude, what nice. a baller, man. He's nice. He's nasty. Okay. He, he's going to be wide receiver one eventually if they get together. All right. So let's jump into our top dogs recap. We'll dig into what happened in the games we discussed last episode. The first game is a weird one. Seahawks were a minus two favorite at Minnesota. The Vikings 
and they went and got blasted by Minnesota. I will say this, though. Minnesota offensively probably played the most perfect game. Honestly, like Kirk Cousins was what 30 for 38, 323, three TDs. Alexander Madison had over 100 yards. Justin Jefferson had over 100 yards. Like offensively, they were just chilling, just going through the groove like it was practice. Uh, we did talk about like this. This was an important game for Minnesota to like save their season. And it was against a really good opponent. And they came in there and, and got it done. Um, this game definitely makes me super nervous about Seattle mm. defensively. I mean, like they're not they're not clicking at all. It's almost like, you know, what coach kept with coach uh, Ken Norton, like they're just not responding to whatever he's, he's trying to do. So I am really concerned, especially when you got, you know, you got two safeties you paid really well. Um, you got you got probably one of the best linebackers of all time, you know, and Bobby Wagner. And you just don't, you don't know what's happening on the outside at corner. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. You might have to call Richard and Earl. <laughs> so anyhow, what do you um, give me some observations? What did you are you concerned about these guys at all? Yeah, I didn't like the report from Flowers saying that guys on defense are kind of just doing their own thing. Like that's, that's never that's never. Yeah, that's a problem, right? Uh, a big gambling takeaway was when they ruled out Dalvin Cook, a lot more action was coming in on the Seahawks. Right. And then you see Madison comes in with a buck 12 on the ground. And teams that lose their first two games on the road coming home as a week three underdog over the last 20 years will cover 63% of the time. We talked about it last week, how this was a game that they could not afford to go 0-3. I felt as if Minnesota was the best 0-2 team. You can make a strong case. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I understand that. But they should have been 2-0, losing two games. One in overtime and one with the field goal. So I just love this spot. It was my favorite play of the week. Minnesota at home. Mike Zimmer, such a great coach against the spread. So that's the biggest thing that jumped out to me about the public money coming in when Dalvin Cook got ruled out. Didn't really change much. And it's wild because... like. I go back to like watch the footage. Like Alexander Madison is a pretty much a bigger Dalvin Cook. Mm. Like they they run pretty much the same. Obviously, he doesn't have that exact burst, but he has enough burst to be super effective. And he's oh he's like a he's a perfect. He's like one B. You know, obviously Dalvin Cook is capable of running for like over two hundred yards, but Alexander is is one B, and also he's proven that he's durable too. All right. So hopefully they fix what's going on in Seattle. We're gonna to get to number two, our second game. Uh, again, our pick them Bucks. I hate saying Bucks were a minus one favorite. That's ridiculous. But Bucks at the Rams. Uh, this was a fun game, man, because this is this game is exactly what Matt Stafford signed up for. This is the whole reason he wanted to come to LA was to play in games like this. This was like going to like going to a Laker game. Right. It's like it was indoors. Everybody was there. Every single star was there. You have Sean McVay is built to be the Los Angeles Rams coach. He is built for this spotlight. He is 35. He's out of his mind. And it it was the perfect storm. I did think the Bucks were going to win, but their secondary just like fell apart and there was nothing left. And I just feel like the Sean McVay put together the absolute perfect plan to 
tear them up. And it was a funny, it was a funny stat. You know, if he's leading at the half, he's 39 and 0. So it's funny when they went into the half and you had that video of him like high-fiving everybody. I knew he knew that. He had to know that because he's such a stats guy. Uh, and that was interesting. Um, and yes, yes, we 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 got to see we got to see our designated hitter, Deshaun Jackson. Why do I say that? Because we don't need him to play the whole game. Okay, we don't need him to play the whole season. We just need to unleash him on prime time to run a bomb and then sit down. So yes, I was super. Super excited about that, Nick. I was telling people, I said, look, he's he's in his late 30s, but he's still fast. He averages 17 and a half yards per catch in his career. In his career, the only other people that are close who are ahead of him, I think they fought in like World War One. Okay. <laughs> These, these two, I think like I think Devery Henderson is up there too. I think I think he had like 19 yards of catch or something like that. But Deshaun Jackson is still that dude. If he lines up out there, like be ready. That was a nasty route they he mm-hmm. ran too. Oh my gosh! And a couple of times before that, Matt Stafford kept underthrowing him. I know one of them he got hit, but one he didn't. And I think you have to see what it's like in a real game. They did connect in practice a lot. I went to one training camp before, but. You have like in a it is game speed is a is the real deal. I remember one time in practice when I was in Washington, Kirk Cousins snapped the ball and threw it early. Okay, he didn't get to his drop. He just threw it early as far as he could. Deshaun looked, he saw the ball and saw that it was maybe like five, almost five, ten yards ahead of him. He put his head down and hit another burst and then found it. Boom. I was like, God damn, dude. It is crazy. Absolutely crazy. What were your thoughts on this game, man? It also give you some gambling insights on this. Let me just tell you a quick, quick side note of Deshaun Jackson. If I'm building a Mount Rushmore of athletes that have taken years off my life, he's the first name that is, he's the first face that is being put on that Mount Rushmore. Will why? Dude, I'm a Giants fan. Just killed them. Oh, Every time I was Philly, in that, I was punt, in that game, dude. The I was punt in that game. goes to Washington, continues to kill the Giants. It's like this guy has taken years off my life. I'm a fan of his, though. I like his game. I always liked his game. I respected it. But, you know, sports hate Will. I sports hate him. I don't hate the guy. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a gentleman. Right. See, I love when you say that. Hate. I love when you say that. I love when you say, I don't know the guy. So I don't hate him as a person. I just root against him because he's not on my team. That's why I put an emphasis on sports hate. Like you have sports hate. <laughs> it's it's if if you tell someone, hey, I got sports hate for that guy. It's like, all right, I get it. It's the fan talking. You know what I mean? He wears number ten too, so that's my favorite number. But but all, but here's the thing I want to say. Go ahead, you can finish. Well, I was going to get into Cooper Cup. So if you want to add more yeah, to the really, Deshaun take, no, I have. A th- I'll let you finish Cooper Cup, but I'll, I'll finish it off. I got something interesting. Go ahead. Cooper Cup is he might be. We might need to make a highlight out of this because this is a take right here, Will. He might be the most important non-quarterback in the NFL on offense right now. What he means to that team, the immediate chemistry that he has with Matthew Stafford, it's as if he came with him from Detroit. Like Again, another monster game, nine for 96 and two touchdowns. You were talking I'll you about... Why. I'll tell you why really quick with, with Cooper Cup. 
it's because he he knows the offense just as well as McVay does. Mm. And sometimes, sometimes Cooper Cup will maybe over, try to overrule or make a suggestion on what they should do offensively. That has mm. been documented. That has happened. You know, he's like, hey, we should just try to do this. So he did help out Goff a lot, too, in terms of like what to do and what have you. So it's to your point. Yeah, th- their chemistry is absolutely insane. And I'm and yeah, it's nuts. Really quick about Matt Stafford. And I've been on the bandwagon since day one, since playing against him and what have you. And I just knew he was in a tough spot. It is amazing what happens when you have elite talent and they are with a stable organization. They have weapons around them. They have a coach that calls an outstanding game plan. It is amazing what happens because he he looks ridiculous right now. He looks absolutely outstanding. He looks so comfortable, so relaxed. Um, And it's funny watching that offense on the sideline. It's like everybody's friends, right? It's like everyone Mm -hmm. is friends. Andrew Whitworth and Sean McVay are best friends. And eventually, actually, I think Whitworth is the one who told McVay that he needs to go and hang out with Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford... Actually, they, I heard the story on the during the game that he went to Andrew Whitworth's son's baseball game without even telling him. Like the whole family went. Like it's like that. So it's uh, it's pretty wild, man. They they're gonna it's 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 super interesting. And then yeah, they finished off with Sony Michelle. He did not have like a huge game in terms of 100 yards, but he was able to grind it out with 23 carries at the towards the end of the game. You know, once they got the lead, they were just going to run it down, and we got the guy to do it, fresh legs, fresh body. So that was cool to see that because that was my only concern. Like, are they mm-hmm. able to do anything on the ground, which is why I moved on from them in the beginning when Cam Akers got hurt, and I was like, oh, I like the Bucks. Now, the Bucks, they they looked okay offensively, you know, I thought the Rams did a great job in terms of like putting the pressure on Brady and they went right after Gio Bernard and made They made him try to pass protect. And there was one situation where he wasn't able to, and then got to Brady. Brady was a little unaccurate on a certain, certain throws. And you saw him on the sideline getting frustrated. Like, man, he wish he had that a couple of throws back. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the biggest issue um, ever since, you know, Sean Bunting went down and other guys started going down is that secondary, man. Mm-hmm. It is, that is a huge problem. They did, they did bring in or visit it with Richard Sherman. Um, and apparently, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I almost feel like they offered him something he felt disrespected and probably said no. I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, they, they got to figure that part out because otherwise, man, they just, now, now the league, again, the league has film. The mm-hmm. league knows what to do. So, man. So what is the, uh, your gambling takeaways for this part here, man? Just, we, we talked about it. Bucks, basically a pick em. Everybody was coming in on Tampa Bay. The winning streak, 30 plus points in nine straight games. The questions, the skepticism of Matthew Stafford in a big game, big spot. Dude just absolutely quieted everyone up. 343 and four touchdowns from Stafford. And the only way that you can really beat Tampa Bay is through the air. And that secondary, I'm very concerned if I'm a Tampa Bay fan because they're just getting lit up through the air. You can't run on them, but teams are just picking up huge, huge games against them through the air. 
This show is brought to you by the fine folks at WinBet. So before we go any further, I just want to remind you on the WinBet mobile app, you get access to unique markets like NFL yardage leaders and exact season wins. And do not let me forget, it's the best place for NFL parlays too. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to set the odds in your favor. Download now and start winning with WinBet. Offer subject to change, term and conditions at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state where WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. And that's it for today's show. Next episode, we will be previewing week four games and making some new picks. This has been Upsets and Underdogs presented by WinBet. Do not forget to subscribe, throw us a rating and review, and tell your damn friends, okay? Subscribe, tell your friends. You can find me at Will Blackman on all social media. You will see that I just did a cool wine tasting. Um, I did. I had about 20 wines. Um, we, we did a Ryder Cup USA versus the world type of wines. So yeah, follow me at Will Blackman. Tons of wine, tons of cool stuff. Nick, where can they find you? At Nick Day is 10 on Instagram and on Twitter. No wine for Nick. All right. (laughs) Catch you next time.